0: Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever. You're listening to the Bellarmine Forum Podcast. I'm your show host, John B. Manos, President of the Bellarmine Forum, and I am uh, sad that it has been so long since our last episode, and I left you with a cliffhanger last time. Today we're just going to have a little bit of fun, and we're going to wrap up that idea from Father Harden. what we should do today. But I want to go into some of the ideas... Uh, percolating in the church today that I think should give you deja vu. Let's start with a prayer. name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Fatima, pray for us. When we look across the church today, there's all kinds of stuff going on. And, and, you know, it's, it, I've gotten some emails and some notes from people that are asking me to comment. And, and I will, for instance, the, the USCCB has come out with their synthesis on the synodality. Um, It's hard to even say some of these things because it just sounds like, it, you know, it sounds like stuff that somebody made up, you know, there's, academics go through this phase, Father uh, Fulton Sheen talked about that, that, you know, when he first started lecturing as an academic, he used a bunch of big words, and the people were, oh, oh, excellent lecture, excellent lecture, and he asked him, he was at the Louvain, and he asked him, he said, what did I say, and nobody could repeat what he said. Fulton Sheen said on that day, he decided from then on, he was not going to be uh, big on academic words, but that's kind of what's going on with with the with the the regular church, right? I mean, how sick are we of hearing about uh, marginalized? We don't even know what marginalized means. And same with rigidity. There is an idea that is related to scrupulosity. That's true of being a uh, uh, too rigid. And if you think in terms of script, scrupulosity, you get close to the idea. But that, when you look at the tweets that are just this, I mean, it's just this watershed of. I don't know who writes the Pope's tweets for the uh, papal Twitter account. I don't think it's Pope Francis, Um, and I don't think it's Spadaro, his uh, you know the Jesuit uh, PR guy running this kind of uh, hyper-normalized imagery either. It it seems to be, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it's like they got a Ouija board and they're channeling Richard McBrien. Uh It's just strange stuff. And, and, and the people that want to, you've got this strange sort of like, uh, what to call it. There's like, it's, it, it's not two sides, but there's sort of like this uh, uh, three nodes of, of p- places where people have shaken out in this. This, was, this is a brilliant thing, that, and I, I mean it in the sense of demonic brilliance. One of the things that the Marxists had done early on was create identity groups into which they could balkanize society. And, and, you know, today they have so much computing power, so much stuff that they can uh, war game or simulate or play, uh, uh, play out. You know, and a little bit of background for me. When I was in uh, undergrad, one of my one of my uh, fortés or an area of research that I actually got published in had to do with using game theory and the application of chemical process optimization. So I was in the area of high performance liquid chromatography and learned a lot about the mathematics of game theory and the. the various ways that you can use this to take and simulate physical processes. Uh, but So this idea of mapping out parameters and then laying in heuristics of how decisions are made in order to get an outcome, it's a broad brush to say how game theory works. So for instance, there's always the idea of the prisoner's dilemma, which the... Two prisoners want to escape prison, and the warden uh, says, if you ever uh, let me know of somebody who with escape plans, uh, I'll take care of you. Uh, so there's a constant uh, pressure on the two uh, prisoners who know of each other's escape plans, whether or not they rat out to the, to the warden. Hey, that other guy's trying to escape. And it would have to be whether or not they fear they're being caught, or... They fear the other guy's going to rat him out. That's the general idea. Probably didn't do uh, the best uh, service to the prisoner's dilemma. But there's mathematics that describe all this. Scoring and probability and the influence of parameters on each set start to give you an idea. And then analyzing this through mathematics can tell you how each scenario plays out. On a grand scale, this is what the military does for war gaming and for policy decisions and looking into the, you know, people talk about how they look into the future or stuff, but it's the same idea. You assign scores to all these different choices. You assign scores to how people go through their decision making, and then you quantify the factors that influence their scores towards a personal gain or other items. And when you splay all these parameters out and run the math on it, you start coming up with probabilities of different outcomes. Now, in the course of doing that, you're breaking people into different groups with different interests. And that's what Marxists did in a lot of ways too. For instance, if you keep the uh, Hungarians at war with the with the, uh, the Slovaks, you know you, you always know what's going on there or in a more dark mode, uh, Stalin. If you replace uh, uh, an ethnic group and give people a land that was traditionally somebody else's, you create a constant source of division and fighting between them. Sort of like uh, when you bomb the Serbians. Oh, wait, that was America that did that. Never mind. Um, In the church, the same thing's been going on. If you want to be a Catholic that just wants to do what the church has done and what's been handed to you you are marginalized we talked about that on an old podcast episode they they tent with the devil and the stagnation of the church we see it played out now i hated to you know be telling the, I hated to be telling the future but that's where a lot of the deja vu comes in and that's what you see going on there's a hand that is separating Catholics into several groups, sifting them into rival groups. We've had the modernists for some time. We know about them. We'll get to them in a minute. But what you see happening among Catholics that are, let's call them go along to get along. You know, I think most people, there's an no old joke. If you watch, uh, uh, oh, the old uh, uh, Fiddler on the Roof, one of my favorite scenes is where the young boys, you're learning about the village in the beginning of it, and the young boys run up and they say, Rabbi, Rabbi, a prayer for the czar. And the czar leans back and gets his hands out. He says, may the Lord bless and keep the czar far away from us. In some sense, Catholics, for the most part, Used to think like that. I don't know what goes on in Rome. God bless the Pope. Uh, I hope he leads the church well. But I got to worry about uh, the garden, putting stuff up for winter, and uh, my stupid kid keeps getting in trouble. And I want to get to heaven, and I want my kid to get to heaven. We used to call it subsidiarity, right? Today, everybody, you can't get away from Pope Francis, can you? He's, and even if you just want to be on your own, now he's part of everything. Whether they talk about marginalization, where they talk about, if you don't agree with a tweet that you see, I mean, for heaven's sake, it's a tweet. It's not like an encyclical or a papal bull, right? But if the tweet doesn't make any sense, and believe me, I can give an, a length of my arm examples here, of tweets that make no sense but they're out there if you say anything immediately oh my gosh you're criticizing the Pope you're not Catholic I, even if you say I, I don't really want to read the Pope's tweets oh my gosh what kind of Catholic are you I, I can't even imagine a time in the past where, you know, I think the average person in the pew, they might be interested in what did the Pope say on X, and the priest would tell them what the Pope said. And the priest probably got a summary or a synopsis in a letter from the bishop. And it would get handed down that way, and it was only when it was something important. Of course, all that fell apart with *Humane Vitae. We'll get that a to topic for another day. Back to today. When we were talking last time, we were getting into this idea of the, the liturgy and unity. And uh, we're all supposed to be unified. The first problem with that is, if you go to Latin Mass, there's more unity there. It's the same no matter where you go. If you go to a typical Amchurch parish, they, this is the problem. That does the new Mass you got all kinds of things that were the product of the USCCB in the 70s exaggerating something that was called local tradition. And applying these, this is where all the recovations. this is where nowhere in Vatican II does it say, get rid of the statues. in fact, it, it praises statues as a helpful aid for the faith. Same with all the artwork and stuff. Now, where that came up was Environment, Art, and the Liturgy, a publication of the USCCB. And it was applied by a number of uh, different bishops to various strengths. And it was worse in the religious orders. So anyway, back to the, I'm kind of veering off on things. I'm wound up a little bit. You know, just think about this for a minute. Let me just, let me me put a fine point on this. You know. talking about marginalization yeah i can't imagine i look at every once in a while masses from around the country that are online thanks be to god i don't have to be stuck in those some of those places but one of the things that blows my mind is that the one thing is the same everywhere in the in the new mass in am church and it's this this inane lector goes up and they do the uh you know the intercessions and I, we've had past uh uh past posts about crazy prayer intercessions that come up. But, you know, why, why, they put their arm up. What do they have to put their arm up for? Don't You know, if the if the intercession is actually a plea for a prayer, I know when to say, Lord, have mercy. Oh, wait, you have to be told what the response is because they change it. So you can't have unity in this liturgy. You can't say, Kyrdia Eliasson. You can't say Lord have mercy. No, it's Lord hear our prayer or some other kind of like fantabulous thing that the music director thought would be a great idea because it fits the key for that setting for math that week. You're not allowed to have unified mass. You're not allowed to just go and it's mass number four and you're going to do credo three. You're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to actually have a missile in your hand that actually has the propers of the mass in it because... Everything's got to be creative now. Lord, thank you, everybody. Today, in today's gospel, we're going to learn about the rich man It's like us and how he ignored the marginalized. Then you get to the intercession. Here comes the weaponized part. For all the marginalized and poor among us, that we may not turn our heads away from them, and as Pope Francis says, reach out and accompany them on their way. We pray to the Lord, and I have to put my hand up, and you say, Lord, hear our prayer. And you're thinking to yourself the whole time, this prayer, I got an opportunity here. There's two or more of us gathered. That means our Lord promises he's going to listen and grant what we ask. Why aren't we asking for things like, did St. Michael come down and crush Satan and get him out of our society and out of the politics? God send his army of angels to force the truth out. Let's pray to the Lord. That wouldn't be bad, right? I mean the Psalms got it in it. God is with us. Give haste, all you nations, and be trembled, for God is with us. We're not allowed to be that way, though. It's triumphalistic. Even if you just, if even if you have a picture of God in your mind. As God the Father, like this strong old man on the throne with like armies around him. Oh, that's anthropomorphizing God. We can't do that. Yes, we can. Because Jesus gave us the images. If you want to see the Holy Spirit as a dove, well, it makes a lot of sense because you know (laughs) when our Lord was baptized, how'd the Holy Spirit come? He came as a dove, right? So these are the images that God gave us. Why? Because in our minds, see, the modernists see God as, well, let's go right to the source. Maurice Blondel. You know, Pius X condemned him. Cardinals came up, oh, good job. You got rid of the modernists. That's great. And Pius X said, no, no, I didn't. Just go underground and they'll come back. So it is today. This is where it gets weird. Listen to the old Father John O'Connor, and he's talking about the plot against the church. And if you, if you think about the church in Pius X time, you've got the Jesuits, you've got hordes of consecrated nuns throughout Christendom. What do they do? They taught you, they taught the Catholic faith to the children. They prayed for us. They prayed for the church. They were present there and kept nonsense out of the liturgy. So there's there's like one vanguard of protection in the church. Then you got the Jesuits. The Jesuits oversaw seminaries, kept error out, stuff like that. There was little little nonsense in the church when the Jesuits were good. Then you had how does the church itself propagate? You know, you could take various totalitarian leaders since the, uh, the rise of uh, theosophy and devil speakers in the world that Our Lady warned about, uh, and that were the tools of Leo XIII's vision. Satan would try to take apart the church. If you look at uh, uh, their world and their introduction to all of this, it's this idea that, you know, this propagation of the old Gnostic God that, you know, he's just this ever being life force. You know, and I went to my Jesuit school, I remember having this argument with with my parents over who God is. And uh the the idea that, that God was personal, that there was a person of God, that you you know, when we look at Jesus and we see our Lord Jesus Christ, he was a man. He had a face. You see it on the shroud. You can see Veronica's veil. People that encountered Jesus encountered a man. They could picture in their mind that man they met. When you go before the Blessed Sacrament, you know you're sitting there hidden behind bread is that same man. He tells you his father. But the modernists will blow apart using all of the same words. This is Blondel. Maurice Blondel said that the modernists should not change their vocabulary. They should use all the same words, but redefine them to support what they want. So the confusion was intentionally over words. That's what we see a lot of today. We see, but this is where the deja vu comes in. I mean, if I told you that a bishop appointed a layperson to hear confessions, that's the shock cycle that you're familiar with. You know, you can become addicting, too. You want to go see what the latest outrage is. Oh, my gosh. You know, I can remember, I always knew when the wanderer would come, there was going to be something in there about something crazy going on somewhere, Right? And that's what it's like. If you go on today, it's it's, it's these bishops uh, doing this. These bishops want women's ordination. These bishops doing. But I'm going to tell you something. The shock cycle today, I guess because, let me put it this way. You know, the furor over the Latin mass and the Latin mass being banned going on. I have to recall, and I can actually get my hands on it, when I was 16, you know, there was petitions. I was in high school. Petitions going to Rome for the Latin Mass. I wrote one. Parents went to Latin Mass. I thought this was terrible. It didn't even make sense to me. Here I was, all mixed up with Jesuit training, thinking that God's, you know, a universal life force and that we're on the cosmic spiral towards uh, attainment of our, our union, uh, uh, you know, uh, just the nonsense of the Gnostic uh, modernists. But it still didn't make sense to me that they would get rid of the Latin mass. Didn't make sense at all. Still doesn't make sense. And I guess if there's, the, the point is, this stuff today is deja vu. You know, if I talk about a gang of bishops that got together, wrote a letter demanded women's ordination we just heard that coming from you know over there and Denmark or wherever i'm sorry i remember remember Weakland doing that in the so-called gang of 40 u.s bishops we've seen this that's why i'm going back to these old cassettes with these priests that you know suffered a lot i mentioned father john o'connor you know, you talk today, like, these priests are saying, I might have to go underground. I might, you know, I want to be careful. I'm sorry. If you know John O'Connor's story, uh, he's the one that called out, uh, tried to point out that, hey, there's a problem with homosexuality in the, the motherhouse of the Dominicans, and they only to find out that the his uh, superior himself was one. And then when he went to Rome, he found out that uh, uh, Gergen was one himself, and that was, the, that was the head of the Dominicans. Well, guess what happened to Father John O'Connor? Yeah, they marginalized him. That's the right meaning of that word. They marginalized him right out of public... Uh, uh, anything to do with the Dominicans. We got these talks, and that suffering that priest underwent. He understood a lot more today. It's kind of funny... You watch kind of you know the de novo approach of the traditionalists today, and 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 it's not all of them. I mean, there's several of them that remember these things, but you don't see discussion of it. That's the part, and and that's what's irritating, you know, to 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 some of the people that've been through all this. It's kind of like, hey, wait a minute, is all this down the memory hole? Did we forget about all this? Because it's come full circle. We should be able to recognize it now. They started, just like Father John O'Connor said. You look at George Terrell, uh, Lubach, uh, you know, Blondell, all these guys, they all started, they took out the they took out the seminaries first, the Jesuits, I mean. And then, you know, from Belladot, they were shoving these communists uh, with, uh, you know, perverse proclivities into the seminaries at the same time. So Blondell... Was uh was capped out by Pius X, and at the same time, shortly after that, around the time of Fatima, here's Bella Dodd saying we started shoving a whole bunch of homosexual commies into the into the seminaries. Why, why? Because that was the way they had to take the church out. It wasn't Vatican II. It wasn't the documents of Vatican II. It's these other things that went on that degraded and demoralized and destabilized the church from within. You know, there's a... a, a, a it's another one cited a long time ago, but it's it's, it's a quote that comes up, and if you brought it up in the in the 80s and 90s, people were like, oh my gosh, yeah, I know. It was the, the Grand uh, Orient of France, the Masonic thing, said that we won't take on the papacy directly. Instead, what we'll do is fill the pews with ours, and bubble up our friends from the bottom so that one day they would produce a Masonic Pope. It seems strange to me that it began with the Jesuits, and here's this error, this uh, uh, contagion of modernism. The modernists began in the Jesuits, bubbled up and you know we talked about the third secret of fatima and and the vision where as if in front of a mirror and now all of a sudden everybody's talking about that now um good we talked about it last year on the podcast but this idea there's something full circle about where we are and there's a deja vu to it you know i mentioned okay The shock cycle today. They keep running people through the shock cycle. What what exactly are they doing? The end game of the Marxists is something called normalization. And this is the shut up or put up point. In the way it works, Solzhenitsyn brings up to the young uh, Czechoslovaks that he admired that even with the barrel of a tank pointed at their chest, they should not refuse to tell the truth that's normalization. When the barrels of the tanks come in, it's time to get rid of the uh the useful idiots and this is the way things are going to be. There's this brainwashing period that occurs through normalization though. And and you know the it's interesting because in Hungary when Hungary first underwent uh its communist uh stuff, they they attempted to uh Brainwash the children and destabilize them using uh, sexual dysphoria. You know, and they said, no, this is too dangerous. You actually wind up with people that you can't govern. Now I got a few, few questions about what's going on with that today. But where did this happen? I mentioned before the other army in the church that would have to be taken out was the nuns, right? And how were they taken out? We know it from a guy that was talking about it and admitted everything, Dr. William Coulson, back in the 90s. He had, just like Bella Dodd, Bella Dodd came to see the truth and admitted everything and and began to fess up on everything that was going on. Same as it was with Coulson. Coulson worked with Carl Rogers. They came up with this uh, Therapy for Normals program. He talks about it in great detail. From a Catholic standpoint, though, what did they really do? They they deconstructed the person one and taught them that all of their impulses were equally valid. Now we know that's wrong because the passions, which you're supposed to be doing, fasting and mortification, to control. The passions are those impulses you don't control, and it could be steered by demons even to lead you into error. You know what passions are. They're the Impulses to do something, say something, or whatever that you don't even think about. You conquer those. Our Lord asks us to take our cross up and conquer those. That's part of the stage of holiness. That's your quest for holiness. Is one thing to learn that self-control. That's part of the brokenness we inherit with original sin. Well, what they did was you think of the, the temptation of Eve where she ate the fruit of the tree of knowledge of right and wrong. In other words, in what does Satan say, he'll become like God's. This therapy for normals taught people to search their impulses and explore them in order to determine right and wrong for them. That experiment began with the Jesuits, and by the time they had gotten to the set of nuns they wanted to do, the Immaculate Heart Nuns out in California, it began to spread through the whole church. And we talk about, you know, there was a graphic on Twitter not too long ago that talks about the, 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 the number of uh, religious women that left uh, their vocations. It wasn't Vatican II. Yeah, this stuff happened in 65, so it happened around the same time. Vatican II didn't radicalize people. No, what radicalized them was stuff like these demonic psychology programs that taught them all your sexual urges and impulses are valid and you should explore them. And that's how we had nuns talking about being raped by lesbian nuns in convents and leaving. That's how we got all of these uh, petitions to Rome for annulment of ordinations because they just didn't really believe they knew what they were doing when they, when they uh, took those orders. They didn't feel for them. Get the feelings? They didn't feel they were doing anything wrong. They didn't feel that they meant that when they took that vow. That's what weaponized Catholics, and that's what we deal with today. Modernism, these people that have been weaponized believe that their feelings are God and that God talks to them through their impulses and feelings. And they use the same language as us. That's Blondel. When they say God, they don't mean God the way you and I do who, you know, we're wrong for anthropomorphizing them, even though God anthropomorphized himself. Say that several times straight. No, and that's what makes you too rigid, see? Because in the way that that word is going around today, in the way the Marxist normalization is using that word rigidity, you are are not at the, nobody's putting a barrel of a tank at your chest, the way Solzhenitsyn said, but you are being told through the pressures on you, go this way or get out. And that's what's going on with the Latin mass. That's what's going on by uh, disqualifying your voice as a trad. This is Marxism. This is what the Grand uh, Orient of France was discussing by bubbling up their own to the top. You go along to get along, you shut up, because the state desires, or in this case, the, the... regime desires and tells you that this is truth. How do we know this? McBrian, Richard McBrian's Catholicism is basically published in the 80s, it's basically the modernist church all the way down to the notion of synodality and listening. That's why maybe next time we'll talk about the synodality document cuz It's really just a regurgitation of McBrien's Catholicism. What's ironic about all this is that the USCCB was forced by Rome to force McBride to correct parts of Catholicism that were just... even, Even the modernists couldn't stand some of the modernism. That's where we are. But see, when McBride wrote his thing, people could still have some recourse to Rome. Today... Raleigh Vakita warned us, bishop against bishop, cardinal against cardinal. Where is the recourse? Maybe let's ask the dubia cardinals where the recourse is. Maybe let's ask the others that have asked for statements of clarification. There is none. Comrade, you will receive none. You go this way, and that's the way forward. Or you go to camp, or you get out. We don't have camps today. We just deperson people. By calumny, they're depersoned, And it is calumny. Colin, the things I hear said about trads, one, don't reflect trads. Two, aren't based in truth. It doesn't matter. You know, we tend to think of calumny, we think of something that damages reputation. No, it's, it's, it's an untruth. It's something not true said of another. What? To cause a change in perception of that person in others. Fraud is very similar that way. And so these things are all talked about and they float around out there, you know, rigid, not tragic, like, oh, the past, we're moving forward. It's all Marxist talk. But instead of being shipped off to the camps, instead of guys with guns coming in and saying, here's your new ruler, you're just told, no, you can't have that anymore. Well, they tried that. Now the recourse, though, is not to Rome. a letter I wrote as a high school student, you know, at least I could send it off, and the idea, I sent it to the Pope, and, it you know, maybe the Pope would listen, and eventually when you saw a crazy day come out, he did listen. I don't know. If, if, if the Pope won't listen to Cardinal's, if there's a process in the church like the dubia and other stuff, and, and you see how they disqualify the dubious, I, I don't I don't really care about the disqualification. I want to know one, are valid points raised, and two, what's the answer to those points? Isn't that the role? I mean the church isn't supposed to be listening. Okay, I'm jumping ahead to the Synodality discussion. But really the That's the problem is the fight itself has become the tactics. And that's what I was getting at before when I was talking about the identities that have been generated. You see these avatars. There's people who, out of wanting to go along to get along, we're going to talk about this normalization instead of a camp, these people just, okay, they don't want to create a problem. But what they've done is they've been weaponized against people next to them. See, if one group of people that feel that their entire duty is to support the church, do not mean support the Pope. And they will go through mental gymnastics, even ignore the blatant ambiguities in the papal tweets and other stuff, and then start beating people with the papal tweets to let them know that they need to be Catholic now. So you don't need brown shirts when you can mobilize people in the pews against each other. Then you have the other, which I would put myself in, I kind of look at him like, "Well, this fighting's about nothing anyway. I mean, you know, I, I'm here for the sacraments and for final perseverance and to get to heaven, and I want to lead a holy life. All this other stuff going on over here is kind of dumb. Well, you get beat, you, you get this grift from the other people because you're not joining them on their parade to support or what they think is supporting Pope Francis. That's one problem. Then you get this gristle from the other side because you have this rise, you know, the 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 push for Saty Vacantism and other things. And here's where we get back to the Father Hardin thing. You know, during the time of Arius, they're, they're like what was it? Four bishops did not go the the way of the Arians out of, you know, hundreds of bishops? Well, what about the lay people? What do you think was going on with the lay people during the time? St. Nicholas and Arius. I think it's where we're getting close to in the church here, don't you? But you had gristle in in fighting in the pews, I'm sure, whether Arius was right or whether the others were right. And you better, you know, toe the line or you're going to have trouble. Because back then, I mean, the church was more part of ordinary society, right? I mean, you know, your village was Catholic and everybody in the village was Catholic. And, you know, these kinds of things, if you can't get milk for your kids because the, that guy's an Aryan, um, that's kind of a problem. So there were, you know, the theological fights probably were pretty interesting. I, I don't know enough about, I, we just know the fight that happened with St. Nicholas at the, at the council. You know, St. Nicholas, everybody likes to, you know, and I'm, I'm guilty of this, too. I always like the idea of St. Nicholas belting Arius. But, you know, he repented of that, ran to Our Lady, and she consoled him. The other part I love about the story is Arius, um, and this is no joke, was complaining of bowels and uh, uh, upset with his bowels, and he went to go relieve himself, uh, and he had a condition, and, and, and no joke, he actually blew up. Uh, yeah, he was full of, I'm not going to say it because we stay family-friendly, but you get it, literally. I mean, this is, the, this is the part that now I like to harp on people. You know, the part, taking uh, the Gnostic stand or taking the modernist stand and, and promoting error to the point that you lead the church will, is detrimental to your health. They say, you, you know, you die the way you live, but, I mean, Arius was full of it, literally and blew up and died because he was full of it. But today, we're seeing that same problem. When you look around the pews in the American church, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I remember there was a luminary among a, a Latin mass crowd, and I mean, no city, no... D- the person had had multiple marriages and just got married again. I was like, oh, 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 holy. Brother God. I'm sorry, I got a problem with that. It's not that the spouses had passed away. It's that there were multiple uh mcnolmans. You know, if somebody had a legitimate annulment, and how would we even know that today based on the numbers? Because that's another thing that came not from Vatican II. That came in the flood of too much the therapy for normals just like priests asking for annulment to the ordination all of a sudden those same priests were looking at the request of people and then you bring in humane vitae we were demoralized on the sexual front you know there's books by nuns that left and uh, talked about their lesbian encounters and stuff like that and uh I know, I can grab Joe Blow down the street, you know, and show him a picture of some of these nuns that are out there today, and they're going to say right away, that's a lesbian. Well, that looks like a rough one. Yeah, that's because all this stuff happened from Dr. William Coulson, and it wasn't Vatican II that did it. It's that perversity, that degradation no longer was their mortification to control the impulses, impulses that should never even be discussed, became explored, and then, as Father Hardin says, once into the mortal sin, they're agents of the devil. So that's how the devil took away all the frontline offenses. And, you know, as Colson renders a story where they actually went to the Jesuits before they went to the IHM nuns. And, uh, um, Priests that had gone through this therapy for normals were talking about the third way. Now, in Jesuit spirituality, there's something called the third way, but to apply it this way is the priest said that through going through Roger's programs, he discovered a third way of chastity. And he said, well, you know, the third way is we we don't have to stay chaste, but we don't have to marry the girl either. Soon that became the third way as far as homosexuality. And so that's how this contagion, as Pius X names modernism, spread. The catalyst was not Vatican II. The catalyst was this psychological movement and this freedom. Freedom from the rules of God. Freedom from mortification. Explore all your feelings. If it feels good, do it. And we see Coulson tells us that the, what they were teaching was the third plank, and that the fourth plank was New Age. Topic for another day. They knew, they knew what they were doing, and they did it. Maslow warned them ahead of time because he had destroyed a Jewish community up near New York. And he said, you can't do this without keep retaining the concept of evil. Rogers ignored them, they did it anyway. We're seeing the fruit of all that. Decimated the nuns, decimated the priesthood, introduced, all the commies introduced. It's bubbling up. It's strange that Pope Francis is a Jesuit and you look at all the, the stuff that goes on, but more importantly, modernists don't think the devil's real. He's just a figment of the imagination. Remember, reported years ago? He's the Father General of the Jesuits. He says, oh, Sosa. Yeah, the devil's not real. He's just a figment of our mind. He's just an idea. That's all stuff that was condemned back from the modernists. Whether it's George Terrell or, or uh oh boy, I can't even think, Teilhard de Chardin, or I forget the one in Germany. You know, the it's all, and it's there, it's all in McBrian's Catholicism book. Over 150,000 copies sold back in, uh, when Father Hardin talked about it. And so that's the problem. To finish taking over, normalization has to come. You have a choice. Solzhenitsyn would tell you, continue telling the truth despite having a barrel of a, ta- of a tank pointed at your chest. I already know I've been around people that dealt with this when I was in high school, and subsequently I joined them. That's why I'm here. That's why I've been part of the Bellman Forum all these years now. Difference today is it looks bleaker because there's nowhere to appeal to, or is there. Lady of told us, when she revealed the third secret of Fatima, it's another thing that's discussed today. Everybody's like, we never got the third secret. Yeah, our lady knew that, so she came and gave it to us. Right after the Japanese bishops allowed communion in the hand, she shows up 13 years after 1960, 1973 in Akita. You know, the community Sister Sasagawa was actually formed by Bishop Ito. He asked for it to be made because he was looking for a way out of the mess. And Our Lady blessed that bishop. And it's interesting, the cardinal that was involved warned the rest of Japan not to allow communion in the hand because of all the problems it would bring. So you see, there's prayers of good clergy that brought us Our Lady, and that's why it's even more interesting to me that in 1917, you know... Fatima's was on the 39th uh, uh uh parallel. Not yeah, parallel or whatever it And so is Akita. And so it's like our lady was making bookends of you know the European peninsula is on one side and Japan is this crescent that kind of is on the east side. She went from west to east. But Akita, she told us the whole third secret and Father John O'Connor, who I mentioned before, he he thought that because the fire from heaven would kill the good with the bad, that it was going to be something like atomic bombs, that because it would kill indiscriminately, it was not directly from God. I don't know. I don't know about that part. I I, I heard his opinion. I'm like, wow, okay, that's interesting. It was a lot more, but it's interesting to see the nuclear thing coming back into the picture is so heavy today, right? Fire from heaven. Our lady told us the weaponry to use, our recourse in all this, is our, what? The blessed sacrament and the rosary. Same she said at Fatima. So what do you do to all this? I, I promised last time we would talk a little bit about, Father Hardin would recommend you endure. You find a way, you pray to God, you find a way to find a place that you can at least get, get by. Some of you are in places where the Latin Mass has gone. Others of you have found a place where there's not that much shenanigans. You know, where the petitions aren't all about the marginalized all the time. Those does still exist. You can still find them. I would recommend enduring and saying your rosary. That's what Our Lady asked us to do when you look, we'll get in next time about this uh, uh, synthesis of the synod in, in McBride's Catholicism and more on modernism. Hearing more and more people talk about modernism today, And it was funny because I looked up something. We talk about the deja vu part in these old characters that they're much clearer the way they taught 30 years ago. It makes me think that you can really see the influence that all of this muck and air has on even some of the people that are luminaries today. Because they don't talk as clear as these old speakers do. They don't seem to see the nuance. But it's funny to me, I saw something where somebody was held out as a scholar in a scholarly paper on the the history and the roots of modernism. It was kind of sad to me that this cassette tape from the late 90s, by Father John O'Connor, did a better job than today's scholar did. I'm not going to bring your name up. You know, the person's heralded as a great luminary in the Latin mass world. Father John O'Connor did a better job. It was more detailed And it was 30 years ago. And it made me feel really sad for the scholar today who was unaware of the scholarship that preceded him. This premier paper should have been citing these earlier works where people had already done this part of the work and extending it. You know, when Leo XIII talked about history, he was talking about this ever-expanding growth. Should we get wider and broader and more understood? And today, none of that stuff that we've gotten, even by, among traditionalists who look back to it, we're not understanding more, we're starting over. And I'm wandering all around. I'm sorry. You know, I, I I like to view the podcast as us talking and the back and forth and, uh uh, uh like, uh, you know, that you invited me over and that we're sitting down and uh, uh, having that coffee. I like to keep it that way. I think if we were there, you'd be asking me questions like, wait a minute, you said this earlier, you did that. I think we should talk about the connection between McBrian and this synthesis of synodality in the history I mentioned earlier before, like a priest that you know, a bishop that, 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 that assigned a lay person to hear confessions. That was Bishop Lucker in New Olm back in the back in the late eighties or early nineties. He was the same one he had appointed. Now let's talk about Colson said the third plank was the psychology and the fourth would be the new age. The New Age did come later through their psychology. And, you know, Father O'Connor, John O'Connor, I mentioned, was a Dominican, and the Dominicans gave us Matthew Fox, who was like a, a warlock or something. New Age, sorcerer, communes with dev- with demons. That guy influenced a who Locker appointed as parish administrator Uh, at a parish. And the first thing she does is take out the crucifix and replace it with a cosmic pillow. Well, I don't know what people would do today, but those people do what I would expect them to do. They protested. You know what the bishop did? Locker? He put the parish under interdict. So I don't know where you are today. I mean, those are more forceful than where we are today, right? seems that way. I mean, today you're just made fun of and uh, insulted by, the, by some of the prelates. So we can still maneuver. We can still do things. We can still say our rosary every day, the way Our Lady of Akita asked. Speaking of that, let's say Hail Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. We'll do better next time. Lady Vakita, pray for us. Lady of Fatima, pray for us. Well, that's it. You have been listening. Oh, wait, wait, Ivan. Anything else? Yeah, I know it was kind of a mess, huh? We made it through. Well, we told people to pray the Rosary. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I got that part in. Thanks. That's it. You've been listening to the Bellarmine Forum podcast. I'm your show host, John B. Manos. Production of this episode was underwritten by an anonymous donor that asks you to say your rosary daily. If you'd like to underwrite production of the podcast, contact the forum using the contact form on the website bellarmineforum.org or call us. This podcast is a production of the Bellarmine Forum, formerly known as the Wanderer Forum Foundation, founded in 1965. Yep, that's right, the same year that Colson was doing that with the Immaculate Heart Nuns. On the heels of Vatican II is a faithful enclave of the Catholic faith without all the progressive, modernist confusion and without the commie normalization. We're here to cheer you on, to keep saying truth and to keep wanting what our Lord handed to us through the apostles and through the magisterium over the years. Ooh, and we're even going to talk about that next time. Who's the magisterium? Our producer sits at the right hand of the Father and will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. Our executive director made all things visible and invisible. Technical director is an unnamed angel assigned to us by the producer per show. The Bellarmine Forum is a nonprofit public charity. All donations are tax deductible to the maximum extent but permitted by law. This show is copyrighted by the Bellarmine Forum 2022 to the greater glory of God and the honor of His Blessed Mother.